Hey, welcome everyone to the 423 Soccer Pod. This is Jim. You can find me on Twitter at Chattagooner. And this is Todd. You can find me at Great Footballer on Twitter. And this is episode five. And on this uh, episode of the podcast, we will talk a little bit about the weekend that we just went through with the Southeastern Conference uh, Finals yesterday between uh, CFC and Asheville. Talk a little bit about that match. Uh, we've had a chance to sleep a little bit and review. I rewatched it um, to this morning and, and kind of looked at some things. And then we uh, we have a, a I had an opportunity. Unfortunately, Todd was you know he had to do that work thing on Friday, but I had an opportunity to sit down with Tim from the uh, from the You're Smarter Than Us podcast. Uh, he podcasts down in Asheville uh, about Asheville City and all things NPSL and, and lower division soccer. We had a great conversation uh, at Chattanooga Brew, uh, Brewing <clears throat> Company, and uh, so we'll, we're going to play that uh, for you, and and then come back after that and maybe talk a little bit about playoffs and. And just kind of sum up uh, the regular season from CFC. So, Todd, do you do you, uh, do you have anything? I, I sent you over some stats. Has, any, has anything changed about you know your view on the on the match from last night? Yeah, actually, I mean, I feel a little bit different about last night. I feel a little more positive about it about it because I you know had that time to separate and and look back and and what I thought was a a good performance last night for from CFC. I now view as even better performance. And what I thought I saw as threats last night, like in the moment of the game, yeah. I'm able to step back and look at it like, well, you know, really CFC was never truly tested with any significant, uh, consistent pressure by Asheville. And uh, they're really all their chances were just half chances. And of course, the unfortunate PK that went off uh, one of our players' arms, and once again, like nobody's fault on that. You might you might could have cleared it out a little faster and avoided that, but but really, just a, a really strong performance. And uh, I was I might have been a little harsh last night in how I felt about Asheville and the way they the style they played because I thought they were overly physical uh, in the first you know 20 25 minutes, and I thought they were fouling a lot. But over the course of the game, they really only ended up think was 16 total fouls and CFC caught up and had 17 total fouls so yeah. overall I think I might have overreacted to how physical they were being now don't get me wrong there was some of their fouls were a little rough like we saw a couple of uh, high arms to the back of uh, uh, on aerial challenge we saw some elbows to the back of the head so the fouls they did have were pretty physical uh, but the the quantity, I thought I probably blew out of proportion in my head. Yeah, I, yeah, I I, th- I think so. I think I did too. Um, when I went back and rewatched, I, you know, I realized that you know, the fouls were much more even than I than I uh, you know. And again, like you say, it's you're in the heat of the moment, and you f- tend to forget those things that your team does and just focus on what the other team is doing. I do think they they targeted Costa a little bit uh, for to, you know to kind of get him off his rhythm, and I understand why. I mean, you don't want him. You know, you don't want him hitting his stride um, with his speed and using it on the outside. So, I understand that. Um, but yeah, that you know, when I reviewed the when I reviewed the whole game, the the CFC performance got better. Uh, it was especially the second half. I mean, the second half, you know, I I gave Asheville City two shots. Um, those two shots are one that it one 
maybe mishit cross that actually went over just went over the crossbar and a second shot that was right at the top of the 18 that was immediately blocked so that's it you know and i i they they had nothing else the really the only shot on goal for the entire match was the pk and that's incredible i mean that was a you know, you know, I almost went back and looked to see how many touches, even you know, just kind of count how many touches they had inside our eighteen, because there just weren't many. The, the they didn't really even get to the the back four. Um, you know, there was pressure from the midfield, and they didn't really even get into our def- our kind of their attacking third, our defensive third, that much. Really, just didn't produce a whole lot. I mean, I you know, I didn't remember them producing anything, but there were I had no say. You know. Phil making no saves, you know, and, and it was it was a really dominating performance. I am still surprised that – I mean, I wasn't surprised that Asheville kind of backed off a little bit and didn't press us, at the, you know, at the beginning of the match. But when they went down two goals – I mean, they, they did get that penalty, but when they went down 3-1 – you know, there was no there was no sense of urgency there. And when you look at the stats in the second half, you know, you, you, were, you were talking about CFC kind of catching up in fouls. You know, I think everything points to CFC being still being the aggressor. They're up they're up two one and they are taking the game to Asheville when it really should have been Asheville trying to take the game to us. I don't know, you know, in Tim's conversation with me, he was concerned about the depth. Uh, he talked about some injuries that Asheville has had over the over the the, the season, uh, and he was worried about it. He thought that the Greenville game would go into extra time, uh, and that that would play a role in the in the final. He had he had talked about several times over the last couple of weeks being really frustrated with the schedule for you know for the semis to the final. And, yeah, and, and uh, you know I think I think it took a toll on on Asheville City. Uh, you talked with some of the players. Um, afterwards, about the rotation, didn't you? Are you like when on your way home? Yeah, yeah. I had uh, well, I ran into uh, Caleb Cole and uh, Cameron Woodfin uh, after the game, and I, I'd asked them about you know them switching out because and you were bringing up a good point. So in the first game on Friday night, uh, there were four changes from that game. On Friday night, they had Webb and Zeka up top, and then Walsh and Cole on the uh, the right and left midfield, and then they. He changed all four positions out last night uh, to where there was uh, it was Woodfin. You had Woodfin on one side and um, uh, Woodfin and um, and Sparzok. Right, and then up top we had uh, Oliveira mm-hmm. and we had Costa. Who was the other forward? Costa. So we had those four change out last night, and I think it really made a difference when you have like four fresh, especially those. I mean, to me, that's about like like as you can get there mm-hmm. you're not there's not a great difference between those players and what they bring to the field so a whole fresh set of legs running at you whereas Asheville definitely didn't have that luxury and yeah. uh, that's probably explains why in the first half they seemed to really pack it in or at least once CFC was on attack they really uh, had eight behind the ball got two rows of a solid two rows of four yeah. uh, anytime CFC advanced and then uh then in the second half, when they had to come out, every time they even tried to to venture into CFC's half, like CFC really punished them. So it, it, it just highlights the depth. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I think that was you know, that was something that I had I thought would happen, and it kind of turned out to be true. I mean, Asheville they just didn't offer a whole lot offensively in in the match, and and just you know eventually the game started to open up there in the second half, and CFC took it took the chances. I mean, we you know I had us for a total of, of 12 shots with six on goal. 
uh, and four goals. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty healthy conversion rate. And so, you know, we that tells you we were creating some pretty good chances and, and, and finishing those, which, you know, has, has been something that, you know, over the past couple of years we've been worried about, but this year has not seemed really to be a problem outside of a couple of, of strange games that, uh, you know, that, that we, you and I have talked about before the, that revs match and, um, and the Greenville match. I still don't understand really what happened with that. I still don't understand that one. And then the quality of the goals last night, uh, once again, were just outstanding. If you get a chance to go back and look at those, uh, just four high-quality goals in that game. And uh, shout-out to Jay Cayley for capturing those. I love watching those videos the day after. Oh, that video, Uh, the Torres Torres goal? Yeah. Oh. That's nice. Yeah, it's nice. To relive that through his – Video is just is just awesome because it's in such high it's such high quality. So that that's kind of the match from last night. I don't know, you know, that's the that wraps up the regular. Well, I guess we were we already wrapped up the regular season, but that wraps up the conference play. Anything, any kind of final thoughts on the Southeastern Conference and and kind of where where we started and where we finished? No, I mean we well we didn't start out good, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, but we finished, but we finished where we needed to be. So yeah. All right. Well, I guess that they'll wrap up kind of the southeastern uh, conference play. It, it was uh, another another championship to to the Blues, to our version of the Blues, and uh, so it was it was a fun night. I said this a couple of times. I said it at the rant this weekend. Really felt, I mean, it felt good. I mean, it really felt good. It Finley felt like Finley again, and uh, it, it was. I felt like I was at CFC matches. This uh, this weekend was really fun, and I think the team responded. Uh, the crowds were great, even though even with the rain. So it was it was a fun time, and and um, uh, you know I, I'm I'm gonna miss it if if that was the last MPSL uh, home get home match. Now we're gonna bring Tim from the You're Smarter Than Us podcast on. He and I had an opportunity to speak Friday afternoon just before the Asheville City Greenville match, and we talked at Chattanooga Brewing Company and had a long conversation about his soccer journey and how he got into into the beautiful game how he connected with Asheville and what he feels about Asheville and, and kind of where where we're going as, a, as an MPSL is that and where Asheville is going where Chattanooga is going so it was a great conversation so I'm going to turn it over to that and then we'll be, we'll be right back after that conversation with some more conversation about the playoffs. <laughs> So just introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. Hey guys, this is Tim Blakicki with the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, sitting here in rainy Chattanooga at Chattanooga Brewing. Um, how are you, sir? Thanks for having me. Yeah, today. it's great. Again, this is Jim uh, from. Uh, you can find me on Chattagooner uh, on Twitter and from the uh, the Four Two Three Soccer Pod. And he was uh, Tim was nice enough to come and, and kind of chat and kind of get out of the rain a little bit before before uh, Asheville and Greenville play and so we were we just been chatting here a little bit about stuff and um, I guess I'll start with what we typically start with folks about is if if you could talk about your I guess your soccer journey before Asheville and you know what brought you to Asheville as a club and in and, and MPSL and and for God's sake, why why are you a lower division soccer fan in the United States? Um, so so to preface some of this, um, I, I eventually will mention that I am an Arsenal fan. So I promise this podcast will not turn into just half an hour of bashing Mustafi. But um, so yeah, I worked in hospitality for an extended period of time, and one of the things I found in hospitality is you end up working with you know whether it be Hispanics or Latinos, and 
especially in America, there's a unique aspect of international football often being played at um, non-traditional times in a restaurant, whether mm -hmm. it be during prep times, before or after lunch. And slowly but surely, with the banter going back between myself and, and my prep cooks and my dishwashers, they slowly, you know, they didn't understand NBA, they didn't understand Major League Baseball, but they slowly brought me into soccer. And, and it started kind of through La Liga and then kind of expanded out into the Premier League. And slowly but surely, I, I understood a little bit more and more about it eventually started watching World Cups. It was something that was always kind of on my periphery um, every four years, kind of yeah, like the right, Olympics, sure. but not something I followed year to year. And so around about 2006, the Italian, you know, French final, I, I just kind of went all in. Um, I went looking for a team and I heard about this team called the Invincibles that, that had just lost their star, you know, who'd gone to Barcelona and one of my good, good friends in the kitchen, his favorite team was Barcelona. So I kind of like picked on him about stealing my star and became an Arsenal fan. Um, didn't really go whole in at the time because it was still kind of difficult. I think I think the Premier League was on Fox, but it was like tape delayed and it was yeah. a little d difficult to watch. But it kind of became more accessible and more accessible. So I lived in Western North Carolina. We were kind of bereft of soccer options. Um, MLS was around, but there was no MLS team. And I did. There was something about MLS that just felt fat in my mouth. You know, it, it didn't look like what I had been watching with my friends that um, were very soccer knowledgeable yeah. um, and understood soccer and they kind of made fun of MLS and so yeah. in a weird way I became snooty about yeah. soccer way <laughs> sure. before I had any right to and it, I, I would watch them, you know, they had the Barcelona air freshener, they had the, um, you know, they, they really were whole bought in, and I saw these MLS fans that were very fair weather, and, and they didn't treat it like a real sport, which didn't inspire me to treat it like a real sport. So I, I was always searching for something. Arsenal was my what I had. Mm -hmm. um, and then, sure enough, about 2015, 16, there started to be rumors about um, the NPSL in Asheville. We had a gorgeous stadium up on a hill that was a little run down that nobody ever used. And those kind of built and built and built, and eventually the momentum became Asheville City Soccer. Um, it's been an incredible journey, something that has like li literally changed my life, yeah. um, all for the better, and something that has brought me into a community, not just in terms of um, Asheville City and the South Soap Blues, but I've met um, Galen, I've met Dion up in Detroit, I've met um, Nathan out in LA, he mm -hmm. used to work for the Cosmos and he was with Leicester City when they won and, and had these people on my own podcast and it has, I, I, I unfortunately maybe not traveled around the world as much as I have, but I have been able to talk to people that have had these experiential um, moments around the world that I've been able to view through the medium of television that were there in person Yeah, um, and it, it made me feel like I was there right. so um, here we are on a you know rainy Friday afternoon in Chattanooga about to play the third leg um, of the Carolina Classico that's uh, how hung the Carolina Classico yeah. is we have a third leg that's um, right and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be 
Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to the game too. I, you know, I, I've remarked on Twitter a couple times. I'm ready to see that blood flow between mm-hmm. the two of you. We gonna see some more red cards like the like I, the game I, at Asheville. I cannot imagine we'll <laughs> see more red cards. I have to say that fight that happened on June 25th, um, the scrum, the wrestling match, whatever you want to call it, that led to those four red cards. Um, I, I had moved out of the supporter section and was talking to a friend, and that all occurred about the 80th minute, about 25 yeah. feet away from me. And I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it live in person. It started kind of um, innocent, just just a typical defender striker wrestling match on the end line, touch line, and blossomed into this ridiculous um, four red card melee. Uh, it's really interesting with Greenville. We feel, I don't know if you guys ever felt this way necessarily with Nashville or Knoxville, but we as a supporter base and um, ownership actually feel very tied to Greenville. Yeah. Uh, much like you guys helped, uh, Tim Kelly and the owners helped Asheville you, you, and, and even Sean McDaniel at the time. Honestly, when we built our team, we were closer, the ownership was closer to Sean McDaniel than they were to Tim. Yeah. Uh, Sean opened the books, explained this is how you need to do this. We have our uh, jerseys, RR season kit, or our season tickets, I mean, and that idea came from you guys. Um, you know, do this, don't do this. We lost money doing this. We made money doing that. It informed a lot of the decisions, and I feel like we've not put a wrong foot in yet, and it's a lot because of you guys. Well, when Greenville came in, we kind of paid it forward, and a lot oh, of what cool. Marco did yeah. and Richard came from us, which came from you guys, kind of tangentially. So we feel a kinship with them, and not only that, but with you guys potentially going pro, we're watching kind of the NPSL Southeast shrink in yeah. size, and it makes us extremely nervous. You look at what's happening up in Virginia, they've only got a five-team conference up there. They don't qualify for the U.S. Open Cup. They only get five, you know, uh, four home games. It, it It's not a great situation so with you guys going pro potentially you never know what Atlanta's doing Nashville's kind of wishy-washy we really are leaning on Greenville to be successful with the triumph having just come into town yeah it also made us nervous uh Greenville the first year they played their games at Furman and they outdrew us they were pulling in I think 1,875 people per game it was phenomenal like Mm -hmm. and Furman's a little out of the way for them to go to this year they've moved downtown. It's an ideal situation. They can't serve alcohol, but their attendance has been slashed down to six, seven hundred, yeah. maybe. Um, so we we definitely have leaned into them with the um, supporters trophy that we have. The uh, gorgeous gold keg down there. Um, Chris, oh, that's the that's the supporters that's, trophy. That's the keg of the covenant, and, and oh, okay. we joke that our covenant with them is that you know 180 minutes out of the year we're enemies, but other than that, um, we don't necessarily. If they beat us tonight, we don't want them to win tomorrow night and win a championship before we do. But if they have a question about something, if if they need the answer to this, if they need to know where to park what brewery to go to in Chattanooga. If we've already experienced that, we're certainly going to pay that forward. Yeah. That's another thing we've learned from the Chattahooligans and Galen and, and the kindness breezy, the kindness that you guys have paid forward to us. So we definitely don't look at them as a little brother. 
but we do view them. Their success is our success. Um, yeah. You know, you're judged against your rival. Sure. You know? So Absolutely. we, we yeah. want them to be good because it just means that much more when we finally beat them. So. Yeah. I, I, so I don't really know. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of an, an outsider. Uh, you know, I came to CFC through my kids, uh, really. They both have played in the academy. My son has aged out now, and my younger one will be on the – I guess the U seventeen, U eighteen team now, um, and so I, you know, I came to CFC. I, you know, I, I don't, I've never really sat with the Chattahooligans. I've, you know, I've followed them and and love what they do and love what Galen does and Breezy and and really and they and they've embraced us uh, and helped us along the way. You know, like I, I told you before we started recording, the you know the sound guy who's who's helped me figure out what the heck's going on with this thing. Um, Sound Monkey is uh, is a member. He plays the trombone in, in there. So it's you know I've been a little bit of an outsider in the terms of um, you know I've watched. I've been a fan. I've been a, I've been a, a supporter, um, but not really knowing you know many of the inside. I, I know more folks uh, aligned with the academy than I really know with the with the senior club. So it, it's been interesting to to see um, you know kind of where we're going and what's happening and. You know, I only know enough to be dangerous, and you know, like I told, <laughs> like I told everybody when uh, you know when I started, you know, I, I started. Really, what happened was I, st- I, st- I started screen capping, like the goals that we were conceding. Oh, your 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 uh, tactical analysis, I'm so jealous of. I love <laughs> it. I mean, it's fascinating. So I started doing that, and I'm like, I have no idea if anybody cares. If nobody's asking for this, but it helps me learn. And I have my sons come, and we look, and they've both played. They both started at center half, and so I really view the game through that kind of through that position. Um, so I started doing that, and then I re- I reached out and I said, "Is there anybody else out there that likes to talk about this?" I mean, I I t- I even kind of pulled up. I had XG stats for for <laughs> for CFC matches. I mean, that's re- I mean, what the hell is wrong with me? I mean, <laughs> so. I mean, I, you know, so I was like, does anybody else out there want to talk, like to talk about this stuff? Is anybody as, as stupid as I am want to spend time on this? And I just put it out there in the ether and see what, and to see what happened. And a couple people responded and here we are. So I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, so, you know, your question about, you know, were we close? I know the Nashville club, the Nashville FC, when they were, I mean, we like to banter a lot with them. Um, and now they've, you know, they bought their way up the ladder. But, um, well, one of the things that I think is absolutely fascinating about the NPSL at a successful level, which I would 100% think, I mean, even the Georgia Revs, are, uh, my friend Riley, who does their commentary and their play-by-play on their streams, he, he said that they've um, found a new investor and they're about to build a new stadium. They're going to lean pretty heavily into their academy system, yeah. which is extremely successful. They're adult um, we, we played their reserve team. We drew them one-to-one, but they regularly win the amateur league in Atlanta. Right. Mm-hmm. They all have day jobs, so they can't play for the NPSL team. I heard a rumor that they actually beat the NPSL team pretty handily. Oh, really? That's how good they are. So um, the, the NPSL Southeast especially is extremely successful. You run into teams, you know, like Knoxville is kind of wishy-washy. Out west you find a lot of teams that are like 0-12, you know. They, yeah, right. It's just a byproduct of an academy system. They need something for their players who have aged out and come back, sure, just right. something to do during the summer. But the NPSL Southeast is extremely successful. And one of the things I'm extremely proud of is that we do amateur soccer extremely well. But 
I, I think in terms of podcasts, especially, you run in, and, and your tactical analysis on Twitter and social media, you run into that situation, at least I do in Asheville, where a lot of Asheville fans, they buy the ticket because they know they want to come to the games because the beer's cold, it's a hot afternoon, um, they like soccer, but they maybe don't understand soccer. And to be perfectly honest, I don't always understand why you know an assist in this situation works whereas uh, maybe a, a CB made a choice of this decision or that decision but what I do understand is you know basic formations and things sure, of that yeah. nature but one of the things I absolutely love being an educational piece because you have these people who understand Manchester United they understand Barcelona but they don't understand well what is CFC compared to this weird USL thing that I heard of, right. the Charlotte Independence? Or, you know, there was something that used to be called the Railhawks, and yeah. didn't the Cosmos used to be a thing? And so yeah. I love using, much like NPSL is kind of a do-it-yourself DIY soccer league, I love being a podcast that kind of educates people about the lower leagues and the sandbox we play in and explains to them why why you might hear somebody disparage the Red Wolves and you might hear somebody talk about the amazing branding that is um, Forward Madison or you right. might hear somebody talk about the Tampa Bay Rowdies and why it's strange that this happened or that happened because it's such, I, I mean, MLS has a hard time getting a foot in the door, but when you have a local club that plays and matters on a grander scale, you know, when, when there was all those rumors last summer about NPSL Pro and nobody really knew what it was, but there was this board meeting in New York City, Asheville City was getting named in those board, you know, as being re represented, and there was nobody from Asheville City at those meetings whatsoever. But Asheville City at that point had made such an impact on the fourth or fifth tier yeah. of amateur, you know, of, of soccer in America that somebody speculated that it would have made sense for them to be present at those meetings mm -hmm. and interjected that. That matters. That counts for something. Sure. If somebody is speculating about the ownership of Asheville City being at a major kind of theoretically a monumental changing of the guard in, in soccer in America we're doing something right. So I very much view the podcast as um, trying to explain to people who we are and, and, and who our um, counterparts are, who our peers are. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's, 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 um, that's, I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do a little bit too. And you know, I think in the off season we've decided, or I, I've talked to Todd um, and unfortunately Todd couldn't be here. He's, he's still working. He, I think he's coming to the match later, but um <clears throat> You know, I talked with him about well, what are we going to talk about in the off season when when we don't have a CFC when we have games. Mm -hmm. I know that we've got, as far as I know, we've got some Founders Cup games mm -hmm. coming up. Um, but after that, you know, what are we going to do? And you know, so I've talked with my some of my friends in the in the academy and we're going to focus on kind of yep. you know what, what the what's what's the academy doing because yep. you know the high school age boys are going to be starting up. My son's going to be starting playing here in a little bit and. Um, you know, we had a couple of we had a couple of teams in the uh, regional tournament. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll try to we'll try to expand on that. I'm going to talk to folks with Nuga Diversity about what you know what the Pride Razor you know campaign has exactly. meant to them. And, exactly. Um, so yeah, tying you know, and, and since you and I are both Arsenal fans, I, the last I guess one of the last podcasts I can't remember which episode it was. I talked about the Adidas um, you know ad that came out for those kits. Yeah. And what it 
you know, you know, in the in the fans that I follow across the pond, mm-hmm. you know, what it meant to them to hear and to see North London. I don't know if you, have you have you gotten a chance to yeah. go to the Emirates? Yeah. Oh, uh, not not to the Emirates, but I I follow the same people, and I yeah. absolutely understand that as opposed to. Uh, potentially an advertisement that kind of made Arsenal seem like the world's team or, or tried to right. play to, you know, such and such in like a, a Chinese situation or such yeah. and such in, in Australia or such and such in New York City. That was very much almost kind of reverse engineering. Yeah, I mean, they anchored it yes, into Islington. Exactly. And, and I loved that. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, just hearing Koscielny, although, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got other yeah, things yeah, to talk yeah. about with Kachelny now, but <laughs> hearing Kachelny speak and, and use kind of a north, you know, North London uh, vernacular was really neat. And I, you know, I got a chance. We got a chance over the Christmas break to go and, and went to a match at the Emirates and kind of walk around Islington in that area. And um, it's just really cool. I mean, it was just really cool. So, you know, I, you know, not everybody who listens to us is a is a, is a Arsenal supporter. You know, our our owner is unfortunately. One or the other, yeah. You know, he follows the other club in North yeah. London, um, but it anchored, you know, the the statement that that made. And yes, Adidas is trying to sell shirts, right? I mean, they're trying to sell stuff, but they're anchoring into the community. Uh, I could tell what it meant to the folks who are in North London and, and follow that club, and that's what CFC means to me. You mentioned earlier, you know, you've got people coming who who it's a good night out. It's they like they like soccer, but they just they're more Chattanooga fans than CFC fans, maybe. And, and I do not have any problem with that no. whatsoever. Because no. um, I think, in some ways, CFC for me is a metaphor about this town. Yes. And 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 so I, I you know, I, I'm I'm proud to be a CFC fan and, and adore it. And I, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, we talked. I got into a back and forth with somebody who was an indie, who's an indie supporter, and I, you know, I jumped into. I just inserted myself into his Twitter conversation. They were talking about, hey. We think, you know, I think his hot take was, I think the Red Wolves has benefited Chattanooga more than anything. And they talked about, you know, they talked about the, the, the fundraising element. And I, and I reached in, I'm like, I, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, we're, we're in a fight here. Yeah, that's coming and one way or the other. I mean, we're, we're in a fight here. And, I, and, and people ask me, you know, like, why, why are you so, you know, can't you support both clubs? And why, you know, more soccer is, is more for everybody. And, and, and for me, it's just, that's just not the truth. I mean, it's just that's just not the way it is. And well, I, I get that viewpoint. I understand it. And if somebody wants to, if somebody wants to support both clubs, more power to you. As long as you're, if both teams are playing, as long as you're in Finley, I, I don't really care. I, but, I would challenge. So, I find myself in a precarious situation where I don't agree with literally almost anything USL does. I I, I won't go as far to say that I think a lot of the conspiratorial um, predatory theories on them um, but there's, is, you, know, you, you mentioned well, earlier uh, around the country at oh, least okay. is what I mean like I don't necessarily think they see somebody succeeding like a good example would be the Oakland Roots yeah the Oakland Roots have knocked it out of the ballpark with branding Absolutely. with every announcement mm-hmm. do I think USL is literally today looking at putting a team in Oakland Maybe, but I don't necessarily think they view the Oakland roots as opposed. Now, obviously, even CFC was courted by the USL. Mm -hmm. I think that's more likely to happen, that they will court 
Oakland Roots to try to come into USL, mm-hmm. then they're already looking to put somebody there. If they were to deny them, I think they would wait to see if it could be successful. And then maybe. So, yes, I do think they're predatory in terms of seeing a market. So that's where I do tend to be extremely empathetic towards CFC because without a shadow of a doubt, if you, you know, go back and you look at how they've talked about what Bob Martino um, was doing in terms of con or USL, I don't know who contacted who, but right. basically the general sentiment was what market is right for success. He did not come in and say, you know, I'm from Utah, but I went to Chattanooga once and it stole my heart. <laughs> yeah. um, he he looked at it as a business transaction. Sure. And, and the first step in that business transaction was what's right. The second part of that, and, and this is coming out, and Tim Kelly's been amazing kind of explaining this, and it will continue to be explained, and I think it will eventually be realized, is the tax benefits that are coming out of Eastridge yeah. and the... Um, structure that exists out there in terms of a quote-unquote multi-use I don't know what you would call it a real estate lot or something that eventually is going to attempt to generate money and will have soccer on the side yeah right And, and it may be the centerpiece of it but it wasn't the purpose of it which you know like i i'm i'm a socialist at heart and i I don't deny that but i understand commercialism is how the world works but don't come into a city that is socialist in terms of their soccer and and try to present commercialism as an alternative you know you mentioned earlier that the southeast and the npsl was successful i do not think it is a coincidence that you see USL in Chattanooga, Memphis, and Birmingham, and Greenville. I mean, those are four NPSL Southeast markets. And I just... Well, you know. when they developed USL League One, our ownership had a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, they quickly basically told them, what you're offering us doesn't work for us, but they courted them. They yeah. courted... Um, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, which also kind of explains to you how they go about their business, you know. Um, you know, Greenville Triumph, I'm, 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 a, I'm mostly anti-Greenville in general. I, I think it's um, a poor imitation of Asheville. They really re- rejuvenated their downtown scene, but it's still yeah. a poor facsimile of Asheville. But the way the Triumph came in was not to tap some sort of... There is a massive soccer market in Greenville. If you regularly look at NBC's ratings, Greenville is in the top 10. Oh, with, really? With the small... Now, I mean, 7 through 10, but regularly it's it's Washington, D.C., it's Norfolk, it's something, 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 and then Greenville. A dirty little secret, though, is that Asheville's NBC station is out of Greenville. So we share that market. market. Not a lot of people know that. So Greenville does like soccer. But the way the Triumph came in, their ownership actually um, is kind of known for um, starting sporting organizations. So they actually had a part in starting the Swamp Rabbits, which is the minor league mm-hmm. hockey team there. Yeah. It's kind of what they do, which is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But they did not come and necessarily come in at a ground level talking to soccer fans. There was a... a it, I'm just going to put it out there. There's a metaphorical uh, uh, survey or a petition that got put out there 
from Greenville fans, specifically from the AO chapter there, please bring USL to, to Greenville. We would appreciate that. Those things don't actually matter. They don't make a difference. What makes a difference is the fact that USL was able to contact a, a solid owner and the yeah. Chamber of Commerce in Greenville and go from there. So right now, Greenville Triumph are claiming something like 2,500 fans per game. You can watch any game of theirs on ESPN Plus and clearly see that their general admission stands that are buy one, get one free, $5, bring in three cans of food for this food bank and get in for free, which are all amazing things. Very minor league baseball, but all amazing things. But the actual stands where you had to buy season tickets, the supporter stands, are bereft of fans. It's an example of, and they're not hurting. They're at a temp stadium, they're at a modular stadium, at a charter school, but they've got that chamber of commerce wrapped around their fingers. They they came at soccer as a commercial opportunity sure. rather than coming in representing the city, which is something that Chattanooga FC's done amazing at, and it's something that Honestly, there's still a battle for the soul of Asheville that's developing. Asheville, obviously, I've lived in that area for an extremely long period of time. When I moved to Western North Carolina in 1993 as an 11-year-old, my parents would not have let me walk from one end of downtown to the other at almost any time of day or night. I'm a father of an 11-year-old, and I actually probably would feel comfortable having her walk from one end of downtown to the other at most times of the day, maybe four in the morning, I want to feel comfortable. Asheville has really changed. It yeah. continues to change. It continues to develop a, a, a different version of tourism that a lot of people are kind of fighting against, but it's always been in the heart of Asheville all the way. The first two-story building that was built in Asheville was a hotel. Yeah. I, I, that's what Asheville but, is. I mean, it's a very similar, I mean, you know, when we moved, when, you know, I went to the University of Alabama for undergrad, and I would drive through Chattanooga, and then my wife is from here, so I would come through here in the in the late '80s, early '90s, and you would not be downtown in a second. I mean, yep. you know, and then the you know then the aquarium came up, and that area yep. just blossomed. And now you drive around at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. There are families walking through, yep. and and I, you know, I'll just say this, um, you know, nobody listens to this, so nobody will hear this anyway. But so. I, Asheville, you know, if uh, if right now a job came open in Asheville, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably, I'd jump at the chance. So, uh, I, I love the town, and 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 really, when, you know, I almost wore my Asheville uh, the um, the Blue Ridge Derby shirt because that that seventeen that seventeen game, I just was ex- I was ecstatic that there was a, ri- a rivalry between C- between Chattanooga and Asheville that I would, I, although I've not been to it's Memorial, right? I've yep. not been to Memorial yep, yep. yet. Uh, I've watched it, um, but getting you know, an opportunity to have a kind of a home and away kind of series yeah. with with that town is is just great. It's- and, and and part of what we're still battling for is as our city image change and as we have um, you know longtime residents who no longer believe that Asheville is the Asheville that they moved to and and. You know, Asheville City itself, I think, is evolving and changing and what it means to the city. Um, One of the things I do especially appreciate is Asheville has an uncertain uh, relationship with um, diversity and the way that we've treated some minorities. And I think in 2019, we're attempting to do better and we're very aware and cognizant of that. But if you come to a Nashville City game, it is one of the extremely few places I've ever been to in Asheville where it, it truly is a cornucopia of mm. 
the best of the best. And I do mean a cornucopia, not a melting pot, because sure, get, you yeah. don't necessarily see um, everybody sitting with each other. You yeah. see different segments of the population, which I don't necessarily think is a negative. I think it's amazing that they do all feel comfortable sitting next to each other, even if they are sitting within each other, you know, almost like a, a, a open system within a closed system, right, yeah. you know, to make a really bad metaphor. <laughs> but um, I, it just, it excites me to know that I've never heard anybody come to a National City game other than maybe if we get beat or we don't score and say that they had a bad time. It It is an example of the best of Asheville and kind of what we're capable of if theoretically the, the mentality can, um, after the final whistle, could continue that momentum, continue out into the city streets past that, you know, 9.30 yeah. uh, final whistle. Yeah. Um, it, it just always excites me. There's very few things. I work for a nonprofit. I love what I do for my job. It, it's amazing. I, I, I honestly do believe, and I'm not saying this to be cocky, but I feel like I help change lives and I help to change the mind of hearts of individuals. Um, I work with individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and it's not their minds and hearts that I change. It's, it's the perception of neurotypical individuals yeah. that I help, but it's still Asheville City. Even Asheville City, I went to the ownership this past year and said, you know, have you guys ever heard of a sensory-friendly night? They are like, we have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, you know, it's an opportunity for families, especially, you know, uh, veterans or individuals with autism to come out and come to an event that they may have otherwise chosen not to come to because of these sensory intrusions. Mm-hmm. And they literally stopped me and just went, wait, there's people who choose not to come to our games? How can we fix this? Yeah, that's great. I, I thought I had a whole sales pitch that I was going to have to go into, <laughs> and they stopped me, you know, two minutes into it, and we're just like, we're sold. Tell us what we have to do. If, if somebody is choosing not to come to the game, we need to fix that. And so just as much as Pride Razor, just as much as this or that, it was just an opportunity that they saw to pull another segment. And that's a soccer team choosing to do that. That's not the city government. It's not mm-hmm. the county government. It's not a business choosing to do it. I mean, they are a business, but yeah. it's an organization that is attempting to bring together the best of the best of the city and saw a segment that was being excluded and said, we are an inclusive organization. Come join beside us. That's out of this world. Yeah, it's great. It's great to hear. Great to hear. Well, there are some games happening tonight, right? Yep. So I guess here in a couple of hours, we're going to have that that Asheville-Greenville bloodbath that I'm hoping for. So what what do you what do you see tonight uh, out of the out of your out of your version of the Blues? So um, if if, uh, my my Tennessee brethren that are listening to this, if you guys are ever interested, we do have a extremely small kind of soccer network in the Carolinas. It's called Soccer and Sweet Tea. Um, You guys are always welcome to sign up for our newsletter. And if you had, you might have seen my prediction. As an Arsenal fan, I have learned not to make predictions, Um, so I don't put myself out there very often for obvious reasons. Um, But in the last Soccer and Sweet Tea newsletter, I made the prediction, and I don't think this bodes well for tomorrow night, 
But um, I don't I don't think 90 minutes is going to be enough. I saw that. I think this is going to go to extra time. Um, I do think in the long run, Greenville is extremely tough. This is another thing. You know, Greenville is a tough team. They um, they have 20, they roster 29 people, and throughout the course of the season, they have started 25 of them. Hmm. That is mind-blowing. Like, yeah. they do not have a set 11 that they depend on. They have a super uh, several super subs that are extremely comfortable coming off the bench and and I think their leading goal scorer might be a sub just because that's what he does um, they've played us extremely tough we've drawn them twice uh, their first home game of the season down at their new stadium it uh May 9th, it was a torrential downpour. We thought the game was going to get canceled. They held out because it was their home opener at a new stadium. Yeah. Um, we played the first half in gorgeous weather, uh, literally 45 minutes, halftime, lightning delay, and the entire second half was under just a monsoon of rain. Um, we scored two goals in the first half. Monsoon, 45-minute halftime. They came back and scored two against us pretty quickly. Yeah. So draw. Second game, we were playing them extremely tight. I, nobody will ever be able to convince me that, that we didn't have a winner coming in the 85th minute in that second game. That not that the four red cards happened. We finished that game nine on nine. It just knocked the momentum out. Yeah. Everybody just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Um, so we've drawn them twice. Uh, I, I seriously, I see a two-two at at full time. I think an extra time. I I think. They are, they're not a very um, strong team. And I just mean that literally in like size and like mm -hmm. burliness. And that is one thing we actually do have. We have a lot of internationals. We have a lot of people who are extremely thick-waisted, broad shoulders. And I, I could see potentially a, a 115th minute um, PK or header. And header. I, I think yeah. we win 3-2 in 120 minutes. And hopefully to go on and play Nashville. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I am hoping also that it goes 120. I, I hope it goes the full. I hope it goes the full 120. I hope it goes into like I don't know the tenth or eleventh round of PKs. Of course. Um, and that somebody loses because their goalkeeper came off the line too soon. Well, I mean, the that's, ref, a, that's a thing in Chattanooga. It is a right? thing in Chattanooga. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you caught. Atlanta SC or whatever you call yourselves this year. Um, yeah. So gorilla talk down there who. who who uh, trolls oh, us? Paul's a good guy. Who though, trolls us yeah. with with that stuff all the time, uh, all through the Women's World Cup? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. So yeah, that is a thing here. So I want you to be careful. I want you to worry about that. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I hope. I don't know who I hope. I mean, you know, Greenville's had our number a little bit. I was um, about to say the first. The first match here was a little interesting. It was. Uh, it was early in the season. Yep. We were playing a different formation. Yep. We had some different uh, yep. personnel in the game. Um, got caught on the counter. Got caught on counters. Got caught with some individual errors. I do not know what to make of the second game. I, I mean, I want to give Greenville credit. They, they made some chances. They took those chances. Um, the third goal was one that, I mean, the, it's a, it's a, I mean, it is a leaping volley into the near, to the near side post. I mean, it's a great finish. He got it on if, goal. If, if you had been at that game, Serene Stadium is the strangest soccer pitch I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I in do my not. Yeah, I'm not pitch. a big fan it's, of the dimensions. A, I mean, it's, it's a like, high school, yeah, American high school football pitch that, and I've never seen this before. And I went to high school in America. 
and, and this stadium is, I'm not exaggerating, I think 80 years old, 90 years old, but it legitimately has a hump in the middle of the field. Sure. If you are standing on one sideline, if another person was standing on the other sideline, they couldn't see your feet. Yeah, right. Because of the yeah. degree of humpiness, I don't know what it is. It, there's an actual word for it. But I, it's humpiness is good. It's unlike probably anything any of your players had ever seen. Despite even Atlanta playing on a high school pitch, Georgia playing on a high school pitch. Yeah. Those are at least flat pitches. Well, that feels more that pitch feels more narrow than the uh, than the others. I mean, I mean it looks uh, it looks more narrow. Apparently Atlanta's, which I mean, they're grainy grainy you know, uh, uh, footage on Makuju yeah. that they put out there is it's extremely hard um, to see, but apparently their pitch is the small. Um, so yeah, Atlanta's pitch is extremely thin, apparently. But I yeah. mean, like, who knows? So they might be playing on a different one next year. You know, they, you never know with them. Yeah. So I mean, it, so I, I don't know. I don't know who I want. I mean, you know, we've the the Asheville matches have been close. They've been very competitive. The Greenville matches we've t- we've drawn and lost. So well, I'll, I'll tell you this, and because I mean, I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. Um, but we have no depth. We have been ravaged by injuries. We um, out of the 29 people that we rostered at the beginning of the season. Um, three or four never played for us, and they would have been starters because of injuries. We've had um, a CB get signed. Um, he was signed by a third division team in La Liga, so he left. And we had a two-time All-American Division Two CB come in to replace him. He fractured his foot in one of our last games, so he's not oh, playing. Yeah. Um, we have no depth. So no matter what happens, I just was telling you about Greenville having 29 guys, and right. they've, they've started 25 of them. Um, that's part of Greenville's strength is being able to go through those. Now, I mean, you saw their record. What was it? Four, five, one, and four. Um, they don't always win all the games they should have, but they'll they'll draw you out and, draw, yeah, and go with yeah. you and make all the. The NPSL obviously allows ridiculous amount of substitutions, and they'll take advantage of that. Sure. Um, after what I'm sure is going to be an extremely tight game tonight for us, we're probably putting that same starting 11 yeah. out there tomorrow so yeah. um i've been extremely impressed going into founders cup what you guys have done um you know the cosmos are on kind of a different level in terms of who they were able to bring in and not pay right uh for the amateur season yeah. detroit i i'm so proud of detroit yeah. i they're a bastion of what lower league soccer can be in this country um and and you guys have done great so i I'm extremely, I've watched the NPSL playoffs now for I think four or five years, even before Asheville, because when the rumors started, I kind of started following it. But um, this is by far Miami FC. You know, th- this is the year that I, I think when we start narrowing down, I think there's only like 24 teams left right now in the country mm-hmm. because of the way the play, the teams have been playing playoffs. So right. like yeah. uh, Cosmos beat the Italians the yeah, other right. night, mm-hmm. so that they're down to one. Um, I think Miami FC and Miami United, United played this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denton and Midland played or something like that. So we're actually one of the last, you know, to, yeah. to really have yeah. the four teams in the playoffs. But it's going to be fascinating to see whoever comes out of here, theoretically on, like, Wednesday, play Miami FC or Miami United. Yeah, like, it's... It's nuts. Yeah. It's going to be a little crazy. A little crazy. Well, I know your crew just left. 
So you got to get over, and are you guys heading over to yeah. Naked River? Yep. Um, to see the Chattahooligans and and get ready for the the match. I guess that match starts at 4:30, right? Yep. Between yep. Uh, Greenville and Asheville, and and so again, anything, any last thoughts? Anything you want to plug? Any? I I I just I love being a part of this. It's a community that you know as an arsenal fan <laughs> hey do you listen to Arscast? you Absolutely. know it, it's it's something cool to talk about but you know you're one of like four million you're, you're one of uh, um the random guy in the uh, mall that you see in an arsenal kit that like depending on how you feel you might tip your cap to or something right. i i love being one of the few i love being one of the um you know, to see people come in and out of Asheville, to see, I, I feel a kinship to even the, the guys that graduate, quote unquote, out of CSC and move on to like the upper sure. tiers. I feel like my 10 bucks that I paid for a ticket, when I came over for the Chattanooga Detroit game on in April, I, it was me and Mike. We were the only two Asheville fans here. And we were brought in to, made, to almost feel like Asheville was part of that weekend. And it was just two of us who came over to yeah. like see what the best yeah. of lower league soccer could be. And doors were opened up for us, and we were treated like we were royalty. I, I mean, that's – who could ask for anything yeah, more? it's really great. Well, thanks so much. I, know, I'm, uh, I am now a devoted listener to the – let me let's see if I do this right – you're smarter than us. There you go. We put it on front street. We have no pretension. Uh, we 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 don't claim to be the best. Uh, when we came up with that name, my old host Patrick actually, it was just like, uh, do we actually know anything about that? And I was like, no. And he's like, they're all going to be. You're smart. smart. Yeah. That could very well be the name of our podcast uh, as well. Like I said, I, I know just enough to be to be dangerous. Yep. But great, it's been great to Absolutely. spend time Thank with you. you. I will be at the match a little Fantastic. bit later. I think I'm going to go home because I couldn't find my parking pass when I'm away here. So I, I got to go back and maybe get a raincoat and, and my parking pass and come back and see the 430 game. I'm hoping for some blood. I'm, I'm you know I'm, uh, we, we might oblige. I'm hoping for some blood. <laughs> So, again, it, it's been great to talk with you. Thanks and, uh, so much, Jim. All right, Appreciate thanks it. a lot. Okay, welcome back. Uh, thanks again to Tim from the You're Smarter Than Us podcast. You can find them at, at your smarter. It's Y-O-U-R-E underscore S-M-A-R-T-E-R on Twitter. Again, they are Asheville's premier soccer podcast covering all things Asheville City soccer and regional teams. They also are a proud member of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network. So if, you ha- if you're not familiar with that network, go check out the website. It, it talks about um, soccer in the Carolinas, and uh, it, it's, it's a really neat site, and, and uh, I would recommend it to, to all of you. But, uh, again, I, I thank him for, for reaching out and, and saying he, he wanted to do, um, do kind of a, a joint thing. And, again, thanks, Tim. I hope he had a safe ride home. You know, I told him, you know, in, uh, in 17 when that first Asheville-Chattanooga match happened, I was just really excited. I, I, I enjoy going to Asheville a lot, and I was really I was really pumped to find out that, that we were going to have kind of a, a Blue Ridge rival, and uh, and I still haven't gotten a chance to go over to Memorial to see a to see a match there, but uh, uh, hopefully I'll get to be able to do that soon. So again, thanks to him, um, and check out the the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, all the places where you get your favorite podcast. So, um, Todd, Tuesday. CFC, Miami FC. So, what do you th- how what do you feel about the playoffs? I feel like first off, they're too far away. 
that's my first that's my first issue is that it's in Miami and I really wish that CFC could have hosted uh, a game and I, I know there's scenarios we'll talk about where we could still host another game in the future but the prospects of driving to Miami uh, you know it's just it's a it's a long ride down there it's going to be played on a short rest yeah and both teams are going to have to do it don't get me wrong one of them just gets out of bed at the regular time of day and the other one's going to you know probably take a 12 hour bus trip down yeah. So yeah, we, we both know this is going to be a tall order for CFC. You're going down there to play Miami FC. Uh, they have a they have a pretty stacked roster, and uh, the boys are just going to have to go down there and leave it all out on the field. Yeah, I mean it's you know we we thought there for a little bit. I mean United jumped out to that two goal lead, and it looked for just a you know about ten or fifteen minutes like things might be working out, but uh, clearly uh, you know talent took over. And, uh, you know, you might I mean, I'm Miami. I can't even can't say that Miami FC came back and, and won. Um, you know, it was disappointing, you know, again, because we'd like to host a match. Um, but, uh, if, if you, if you haven't checked it out, if you're on Twitter, this, um, David Smotherman on CFC merch guy has, has a little breakdown of what it's going to take for us and, and really to host, to host a, a match and, you know, a match again, really all it takes is for us to beat, you know, we would need to beat Miami and Fort Worth to beat Tulsa. If those two things happen, then we will we will host the uh, regional final. And then some other things have to happen around the country for us to be able to host the semifinal. Mainly, what we need to be rooting for is for out in the West for ASC San Diego to beat FC Arizona. If that happens, uh, then we will we hopefully we would I think we would host something. But check his he's got a series of of tweets where he kind of walks through all the things that would happen. It's it's not likely that it's going to happen, to be honest. Um, I don't want to, you know, Todd and I talked before we started recording. I don't want to go back and rehash some things that happened. But if a couple of, you know, just a couple of uh, fixtures went the other way, you know, we'd be thinking about hosting. But it didn't happen, and so we're going to be traveling down to uh, Miami. Now, and, and Miami, I mean, this, this is a tall order. Now, I don't want you, you know, I don't want people to hear the tone of my voice and think this is a, some impossible task. I don't think that in the least. Matter no, of fact, no, no. I think it sets up quite nicely for CFC to pull what will be perceived as an upset. And you got to kind of feel for Miami FC a little bit, I, I guess, seeing as they're a number two seed. And as a reward, what do they get? Well, they get CFC, the yeah. giant killer themselves, rolling into town. I, I can't think of a worse scenario if I'm Miami FC. Like, I would have hoped for almost any other team to show up next week as opposed to CFC. And because I don't believe for one second that the average Miami FC player is going to have a whole lot of respect for CFC. Regardless of stories they've heard, regardless of of whatever reputation CFC may have, I just think that they're like, we play in Miami, we're in the bigger city, this is our game. And so I I hope that their egos are to full inflation. I hope that, you know, they're looking ahead. (laughs) Yeah. I hope they're looking way down the road to like a potential matchup with Cosmos, Mm -hmm. whatever it takes. But I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm putting Miami FC on upset alert. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it, I mean, why you know, not? If, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why not? I mean, why not? I think CFC has the right players that they're not going to be intimidated going down there. First of all, they're going to be playing in a smaller stadium. Yeah. So yeah, and, and they I had, don't, 
you know the, the we you know we've had some good friendlies and and you know the players have had a chance to go up against uh you know, go up, go up against some pretty good talent. So yeah, I don't think they're going to be intimidated. I, I don't I don't know that that's you know that's but it, it, this is this is going to be by far the toughest match, the toughest match of the year that that counts. You know so um it you know Miami is is uh, a couple of steps up from I think anybody else that we've played in the southeast. And and now we may be a couple of steps up from anyone they've played in you know in the south. What, is, what I think their conference is the Sunshine Conference. Sunshine, so, yeah. So um, and and Miami United gave them everything that they wanted and gave them a, a heck of a match. And so you know I, it's it's you know I don't know. Again, if you look at the MPSL seeds, it looks like a big upset. But I think everybody around MP, MPSL was not going to be shocked if COC comes out of there with a win. Um, but it's going to be no, a, it's going to be a tough all. match. So uh, I was I don't think that CFC will be intimidated given the caliber of competition that they've played in those friendlies that they've had. Yeah. I mean, you can ask Real Batista's back line if if they want Jao Costa running at them <laughs> for ninety minutes. Right. So I, once again, I, I just don't think this. I think these friendlies really help prepare CFC for this moment, and uh, I would just hope it pays off. So that match is uh, Tuesday night. So be on the lookout for the 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 feed. The feed link has not been put up yet. I know the club put out something with dates and times and things like that, but not. Uh, so that feed should be out pretty soon. You, you know, I'm sure it'll. I'm not sure. I'm, I would assume it would be a my Kuju feed. Um, so I guess you know. Then we'll see. Really, we have to watch. Um, there are there's a slate of games on Tuesday. The Midwest uh, quarterfinals are that day, and then the South. Uh, region the regional semis are that day. Uh, the following or the following Friday, I believe, it would be the Midwest um, semifinals, and then that following, then the next day, the West final, the Northeast final, and I think the South final is supposed to be on the twentieth. So three of the four final teams, the final kind of those final national semifinal teams, could be decided on the twentieth. And then we'll just be waiting for that Midwest showdown. Our friends at Detroit City are still in. Yeah, Detroit City will be hosting the winner of it looks like Minneapolis City SC in Med and City. Med City. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and then that could be that could set up a really nice match between Detroit City, or well, Detroit City and Ann Arbor. You know they really love each other, but Detroit City and Cleveland in that final would be a pretty good match. So some exciting. You know, hopefully we're going to be there to the end. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have CFC soccer to watch, CFC football to watch all the way through the final. But whether we're in it or not, there's going to be some pretty good, some pretty good matchups uh, going forward with some of. And our, even if we're even if we're in it, I'm going to be paying attention to those other games. Absolutely. And let's let's face it, uh, Detroit uh, Ann Arbor game is is great, and uh, I'd love to see that. Or a Detroit Cleveland, both are pretty mouth watering to be honest. Yeah. With you. Mm-hmm. And and some of our, you know, so you can see quite a few of our uh, Founders Cup. Brethren are still in, and so it'll be fun to watch them because we're going to be seeing them later on in the fall. Um, so that's really the the wrap up for the playoffs. We got uh, again next the next CFC match is the 16th, and then we'll we'll see where we go from there. Um, Todd, any any final any final words of wisdom thoughts? I just want to tell everybody thanks uh, for continuing to listen to our podcast. Thanks for all your comments and just continue to suffer out there you know it's like we had somebody say last night i may not like it but at least it gives me something to listen to and you know what that's that's the level of competency that we're aiming for so as long as we continue to to hit that i I feel really good about what we're doing absolutely 
that was that was the best. I mean, I I I don't know if it, <laughs> it was just the best. And we did have quite a few people come up last night uh, and, and talk to us right after we finished recording. So it was it was good to see. Um, and we saw the team come in, the cup come in, uh, the coaches came in uh, again. It was at, at, it was a it was a fun night at, at Chenier Brewing Company, and um, yeah, it was it was it was fun. Uh, so like Todd said, we really appreciate everybody listening. Again, this is the 423 Soccer Pod. You could find the podcast on SoundCloud and other places where you find your favorite podcast. We are on Twitter. The podcast is on Twitter at 423 Soccer Pod. Again, this is Jim. You can find me on Twitter at Chattagooner. And this is Todd. You can find me on Twitter at Great Footballer. And I think that's it for this episode, and we'll see you all in the near future. Go CFC. Go Blues. Chips. Oh, Mr. Oliveira with a cheeky goal. <laughs>